Before we dive deep into previewing Iowa football's 2023 season, I would appreciate it if you commented your thoughts, opinions, analysis, and predictions regarding Kirk Ferentz's 2023 football program down in the comments below. If you are willing to go the extra mile, please include a record prediction for the Iowa Hawkeyes in the regular season and also project what their postseason will look like. Whether that's a bowl game, perhaps even missing a bowl game, or going to the Big Ten Championship game and then a bowl game or a college football playoff berth after that, which would be a bold prediction. But as we'll discuss today with Iowa's schedule, I believe that is an unlikely possibility, but a possibility nonetheless. Before we begin this video, please subscribe to the channel, like this video, and comment your thoughts on Iowa down below, as I've already stated beforehand. Iowa over the past two seasons has had a phenomenal defense, an amazing special teams unit, and an offense that wants to make you vomit while watching TV. All of those things are true simultaneously. And in my opinion, Brian Ference and Phil Parker, who head the offense and the defense respectively, are polar opposites in how they coach the game. Phil Parker is adaptive, does more with less, consistently reloads at every position, takes adversity like you should take adversity, and moves on game plans and is successful. And... Phil Parker had to work his way up, playing college football at Michigan State, and then, after being an amazing defensive back for the Michigan State Spartans, worked his way up the coaching ladder, and right now is where what I assume is his dream job. As with what Phil Parker has done as Iowa's defensive coordinator, I would imagine that he could get a head coaching job somewhere or a higher paying defensive coordinator job if he indeed wanted to. But he stayed with Iowa for quite some time and good for him. I think that he is one of the best, if not the best defensive coordinators in all of college football. I'd actually go a step further and say he is the nation's number one defensive coordinator. I just think because schools like whether it's Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama, and Michigan have larger resources they are able to hire better assistant coaches to surround their coordinators. But Phil Parker, no doubt, is the nation's best defensive coordinator, and what he does with the resources that he has is phenomenal. And he's been with the Iowa Hawkeyes for 12 years. Ever since 2012, he has been Iowa's defensive coordinator, and he's been with Iowa since 1999. So for this entire century so far, Phil Parker has been with the Iowa Hawkeyes. Brian Ferentz, meanwhile, coach's son, he's been coaching Iowa since 2012, first as the offensive line coach, and he's been the offensive coordinator since 2017. Coach's son, he is inept at his job. Now, being a coach's son and being inept at your job, those are not correlated, I wouldn't say that. There are plenty examples of coaching families who have been successful, but Brian Ferentz has totally used the name of his father to be in the position of offensive coordinator because he is awful. He is awful. In fact, awful doesn't even describe the job that he's done as offensive coordinator. Iowa in 2021 
scored 23.4 points per game, which was 99th out of 130 FBS teams. In 2022, Iowa scored 17.7 points per game, which was 123rd out of 131 FBS football programs. And those point totals are inflated because Phil Parker's defense loves scoring touchdowns on the defensive side of the ball. And speaking of Phil Parker's defense, Iowa only allowed 19.2 points per game in 2021, which was good for 13th out of 130 FBS defenses. And in 2022, Iowa only allowed 13.3 points per game, which was good for 2nd out of 131 FBS programs. Imagine if 2021's offense with Tyler Goodson and Tyler Linderbaum, along with a deeper and healthier wide receiver room, imagine if that offense, which was still terribly below average, but much better than the 2022 unit, was paired with the 2022 defense, a defense that faced Michigan and Ohio State that had a much tougher schedule, by the way in my opinion at least, than the 2021 Iowa Hawkeyes did and played better teams, Michigan and Ohio State in 2022 being far better than Iowa's toughest opponent in 2021, which was the Michigan Wolverines. And I think that Michigan made a big jump from 21 to 22. And I do think 2022 Ohio State, at least in Columbus and maybe on a neutral field, would have beaten 2021 Michigan. Matchups, it would be difficult, but Iowa faced better teams in 2022, and yet their defense improved drastically. The offense from the get go looked far worse, and you saw that in the South Dakota State game, where the final score was 7 to 3, except Iowa didn't score a touchdown. They had two safeties, a field goal, and then allowed a field goal to South Dakota State. And that game is the epitome right now of Iowa football. Terrible offense, phenomenal, amazing, elite defense. And the reason I'm starting off here is you have to have perspective in order to preview and predict this coming season or any season. And Iowa has not had radical change. They're not starting off new like Nebraska, for example. And even with the Cornhuskers, you have to give perspective into how their teams have functioned over the past two seasons. Iowa still has Brian Ferentz as the offensive coordinator. They still have Phil Parker as the defensive coordinator. And the majority of their staff, from what I understand, is still intact. I don't know if anyone, in fact, left Iowa's staff. Maybe I'm wrong, but LeVar Woods, their special teams coordinator, who's phenomenal, could be a future coordinator, or dare I say it, head coach, played under, in fact, under Kirk Ferentz, a lot of these players, former players, are now coaching staff members under Kirk Ferentz. So there's no doubt that there's a good culture at Iowa, in my mind, especially on the defensive side of the ball and special teams, but they do have an inept offensive coordinator that is holding the program back. And Spencer Petrus was nothing special either. He's with the program and going to be taking on a coaching role and he'll try and get his shot at the NFL at Iowa's Pro Day for the 2023 season, or at the conclusion of the 2023 season, rather. But he was not special. In fact, he was terrible, having a 109.8 passer rating 
last season and only throwing for 1,725 yards, five touchdowns, five interceptions. We don't need to go any further. Iowa brought in Cade McNamara from the transfer portal, who will start at quarterback, and then at wide receiver, Caleb Brown, Seth Anderson from the portal as well, Dejon Parker and Rusty Feth on the offensive line, and Eric All at tight end, who's a great friend of Cade McNamara from their time at Michigan. Also, Nick Jackson, a defensive addition from the transfer portal, was brought in from Virginia, where he was an all-ACC caliber linebacker and he looks to be starting and competing for a starting spot at linebacker along with players Kyler Fisher, Jay Higgins, and Jaden Harrell. Iowa's expectations for this season in light of incoming transfers and of a defense that well look they lost their best linebacker they lost Noah Shannon as he suspended for the season due to a betting scandal that is being investigated within Iowa and Iowa State. Also, Lucas Van Ness, a great defensive lineman last season, is gone from the program. Jack Campbell was the linebacker who I was referencing earlier. And Jack Campbell last season was an absolute unit of a player. There was a reason he was taken in the first round with the 18th overall pick by the Detroit Lions. He had 125 total tackles, one pass defended, a sack, a forced fumble, and two interceptions. In 2021, he had five passes defended, also a singular sack and forced fumble, and two interceptions, one of which was returned for six, and he had 140 tackles total in 2021. 6'5", 243 pounds, great player. I think that he'll do well in the NFL. Definitely an intelligent player as well, being coached by Phil Parker. And I don't know that Iowa will reload at linebacker, but Nick Jackson, Jay Higgins, and Kyler Fisher, and that whole room, I think, with Phil Parker will continue to produce line linebackers like Jack Campbell. And at the de- defensive end and defensive tackle position, I look at Joe Evans and Deontay Craig at defensive end. Those are some of the best defensive ends in the country, definitely future NFL players. Logan Lee is still there, and Aaron Graves, who got playing time last year as a true freshman, he will contribute at defensive tackle, along with Logan Lee and Yaya Black. I think that in light of the defense basically reloading despite losing key players, also Riley Moss left for the NFL after 2022, and Cooper DeGene returns, Sebastian Castro, Xavier Nwampka, We'll start at strong safety. Looking at what returns, the offense having new transfer portal additions, I think that the expectation is that this team once again is a winning record. This program is strong. Their identity is consistent. And playing in the Big Ten West, it's not just about having a winning record or just reaching a bowl game. With the schedule that Iowa is provided with, a schedule where the toughest games are road games against Penn State and road games against Wisconsin, I think that Iowa needs to compete for a Big Ten championship game spot. Now, the expectation isn't Big Ten championship game appearance or bust, but improve off of 2022, a season that was sorely disappointing for Iowa. And I predicted that Iowa in 2022 would have a down year with losing Tyler Goodson 
Tyler Linderbaum. They lost players on defense after 2021, and their schedule was tough. Facing Michigan and facing Ohio State, and then still playing Wisconsin, all the teams in the Big Ten West. And Iowa did play Rutgers, who I thought was going to be better in 2022 than they were. And with the schedule that Rutgers, not Rutgers, but Iowa was given, I didn't think that the Hawkeyes were going to improve after an impressive 2021 campaign, which saw a 10-4 and record and an appearance in Indianapolis. The 2022 Hawkeyes went 8-5. and I would say 9-4 and is the lowest the Hawkeyes and Kirk Ferentz can achieve this season without the year being an outright disappointment. It would be even better for Iowa to go 10-4, and 11-3. There's probably a path that Iowa could go 9-5 and five, or, you know, go 9-3 and three or maybe even 8-4 and four in the Big Ten West and win the division. Dare I say it? That almost happened last year, in fact. If Iowa beat Nebraska, they would have been 8-4, and four, and they would have made an appearance in the, in the Big Ten championship game. Purdue did the same thing. Purdue went 8-4, and four and they made an appearance in the Big Ten championship game. So it is possible, depending on how the Big Ten West shakes out. With a deep roster and an improved QB room, Iowa should improve from 2022, contending for the Big Ten West. Let's speak about quarterback briefly. Cade McNamara will be the starter. He's a senior with, I think, one additional year of eligibility after 2023, and I'd expect him to return in 2024. 6'1", 205 pounds. He only had 180 passing yards last year. He threw a touchdown, a pick, and had a low 34.2 QB efficiency rating by ESPN and a below average 121.7 passer rating. However, both of those numbers are far superior to what Spencer Petrus's numbers were, and in 2021 and 2020, McNamara had better play and started for the Michigan Wolverines. In 21, in fact, he led Michigan to a 12-2 finish with a loss to Georgia in the Orange Bowl, but nonetheless a 42-27 win over Ohio State, a 42-3 win over the Iowa Hawkeyes in the Big Ten Championship game, in which McNamara started against Spencer Petras and Kirk Ferentz's program, and he had 327 passing attempts, 210 completions, 2,576 passing yards. He had 15 passing touchdowns and only six interceptions and finished with a 141.9 passer rating. And he competed with J.J. McCarthy entering the 2022 season. McCarthy's upside could not have been ignored, and with McCarthy's his ceiling continuing to climb and his floor climbing even quicker than his ceiling, Cade McNamara's limited upside and also higher floor were no no longer viewed as an advantage by Jim Harbaugh and the staff. Instead, they wanted to go with the player who could have a stronger arm, escape the pocket, use his legs, run a read option properly, or have designed quarterback runs, someone who could open up the offense. Well, for Iowa, they don't need to open up the offense, in my opinion. All that Iowa football needs is just a decent quarterback, an above-average player who doesn't turn over the football. And I think that's what they got in Cade McNamara. I don't have the quarterback room being this spectacular, magical room where 
like in 2018, Ohio State had Dwayne Haskins and Joe Burrow. That's not what I think about Iowa's quarterback room. But the Iowa Hawkeyes now have a quarterback who is above average to good in the Power 5 scheme of things. And with a running back room that features Caleb Johnson, who I think is a 1,000-yard rusher, one of the best running backs in potentially the nation, I'm going to go as high and say that, a wide receiver room that at least has competent players in Seth Anderson, Caleb Brown, and Nico Regani. I expect Caleb Brown to be the team's best wide receiver. A tight end room that is one of the deepest in the nation with Luke Lachey and Eric All. An offensive line that, while I don't expect to be amongst the Iowa offensive lines of 2016, 17, 18, and 15, I expect to be much better than in 2021 and 2022 due to experience and also what seems to be good development at the position and a solid two deep and the defense, especially at defensive line and defensive end specifically, and also defensive back with Xavier Nwampka, Cooper DeGene, and Sebastian Castro. This team's loaded and the roster is deep. They don't have four stars and five stars. They're lacking in blue chip talent, but we're not talking about an elite program here or a team and a fan base whose expectation is win a national title. Would Iowa fans love to win the national title? Yes, and as a Michigan fan, if Michigan doesn't end up winning a national title this year, and I think they do, why not have Iowa cause complete chaos and shock the world and do something and win a national title? Though I think that is nearly impossible, if not totally impossible, Iowa does have a deep roster. They have the capacity to go to Indianapolis. And I think with their schedule, Iowa could, in a bizarro world, but we've seen bizarro worlds in college football before, they could reach the college football playoff. Now, I think they'd be destined to lose or get dominated in that semifinal game, almost no matter who it was against. But reaching that would be the high point of a already excellent career and job done by Kirk Ferentz and his staff. The defensive line room I still have ranked as an A+, and actually, to be more specific, it's one of the, the, the higher A-pluses as I have several given out to different teams. Even with Noah Shannon being suspended, with Deontay Craig, with Logan Lee, Joe Evans, Aaron Graves, Ethan Herkett, Yaya Black, and the history and the culture that Iowa has on defense, I don't expect the defensive line to take a big step back. I mean, you look, for example, at Deontay Craig. Seven and a half sacks, two passes defended, three forced fumbles, and a fumble recovery. 31 total tackles. Joe Evans had six and a half sacks, 40 total tackles, two forced fumbles, and a fumble recovery. Lucas Van Ness had six and a half sacks and 36 total tackles, but no passes defended, no forced fumbles, no fumble recovery. And he was primarily a rotational player. And he got taken in the first round. Joe Evans and Deontay Craig are going to be probably day one or day two selections in the 2024 NFL Draft. And Aaron Graves had two sacks, Logan Lee had three sacks and 53 total tackles, a fumble recovery and three passes defended, Aaron Graves had 14 total tackles and two sacks, 
didn't play nearly as much as the four that I mentioned, but he'll be playing a lot more, especially with Noah Shannon's unfortunate suspension. So this team, I think, defensively reloads. Offensively, the coordinator spot, as shown by the staff, which would have an A-plus rating if they had a good OC, but since they have a horrible OC, that offsets a good head coach and an elite defensive coordinator and special teams coach. I think that a below-average to average offense with a near-elite to I'm leaning toward more of an elite defense I think will produce a 9-4, and 6-3 record, and Iowa big-time will improve compared to last year. Their record might show a slight improvement, but you are not always what your record says that you are, as Josh Pate would agree with. And I think that a tough bowl matchup against USC, road games against Penn State and Wisconsin, and a Minnesota team that will drastically improve will all be too much for Iowa to overcome, at least in my predictions. But Iowa does have the potential to maybe lose an extra game as well to Nebraska or Michigan State, and remain as an eight-win program and, and go eight and five again, which I think would be disappointing. But they could also go on the road. They could beat Wisconsin. They could beat Minnesota at home. In fact, Kirk Ferentz has been undefeated against Minnesota since 2014, and Fleck has never beaten Kirk Ferentz. It's a bold prediction of mine that he'll finally overcome that demon. And Iowa could also go on the road and perhaps beat Penn State, although it would be unlikely, but it's possible nonetheless. And from there, with a 12-0 regular season record, or even an 11-1 regular season record, the Hawkeyes would enter Indianapolis with a small chance, but a chance nonetheless to win and go to the college football playoff. And if there's real, real chaos in football this season, and Iowa has a 12-0 regular season record, maybe we're looking at them much like we were with Michigan last season, or Wisconsin in 2017, and the thought process is, long, is as long as they are in a game that's competitive for two, three, or preferably four quarters, the Hawkeyes would be a lock nonetheless to reach the college football playoff. I think that the reason that I'm talking about the playoff in relationship to Iowa is this is one of the easier Big Ten schedules relative to the strength of the roster for Iowa. Utah State, Iowa State with Hunter Deckers and much of the team, I think, being suspended or under investigation due to the betting scandal, and Western Michigan, Iowa should be 3-0 and and a dominant 3-0 and entering Penn State. In fact, such a dominant 3-0 and that fans that don't pay close attention to the sport might think that Iowa is a top 10 or top 5 team entering Penn State. The Penn State game will be challenging. In fact, it's the whiteout game, and I think that Penn State is probably going to win at least by a touchdown. I'm only picking them to win by eight points, but if I was to choose an over or an under for Penn State's margin of victory, I would choose an over eight points if I had to choose between less than eight points or more than eight points. I think that Penn State despite the fact that I'm much lower on them than a lot of people are. I still think they're going to be a good football program. I just think that Michigan and Ohio State are that much better than Penn State is. But Penn State will still be a top-10 team. I don't think that Iowa will be a top-10 team, and I would have that pegged as a loss 
But every other game, I think that Iowa has more than a fighting chance in. And a fighting chance against Penn State in a whiteout game is something that I know Kirk Ferentz and the staff would take. This schedule is not tough whatsoever. It's not. I mean, comparing it to Ohio State's schedule even, and Ohio State has a far better roster and coaching staff, in my opinion, than Iowa does. The the Buckeyes have to travel on the road against Wisconsin, against Notre Dame, and against Michigan, and they still have to host Penn State and also host Minnesota as well. That's a very tough schedule. Um, But to get back to Iowa... Some projections that I have for the season is they will score 0.437 points per offensive play. The Hawkeyes will pass for more than 200 yards this season, with Cade McNamara at quarterback being reliable and not turning over the football, and also tight ends Eric All, Luke Lachey, and wide receivers Caleb Brown, Nico Regani, Seth Anderson, and Deontay Vines. Iowa has no reason to stick to only a run-heavy offense. They don't have a reason to do that. They have Caleb Johnson, who I think is going to be a 1,000-yard rusher and one of the better running backs in the Big Ten. But when Luke Lachey has 398 receiving yards last year and averaged 14.2 yards per reception and had four receiving touchdowns, Nico Regani, the team's best wide receiver, returns, Deontay Vines, he had 10 receptions, and the passing game was very underutilized last season, and that led to Arlen Bruce IV and also Keegan Johnson transferring out of the program. And as much as I criticize Brian Ferentz, I think that he will at least be adaptable enough to see that, hey, I have one of the best tight ends in the nation, Luke Lachey, Eric All could also perform at that level. I have a wide receiver who was tutored by the best wide receivers coach in the nation in Caleb Brown, Brian Hartline being that elite wide receivers coach. And I have a quarterback who's much better than Spencer Petras and potentially better than Nate Stanley. And why wouldn't you use that? At least in tandem and with a balanced attack with Caleb Johnson being on the ground and with an offensive line that returns all five of their starters in Nick DeJong and Connor Colby at guard, Logan Jones at center, and Mason Richmond and Jennings Dunker at tackle, and Rusty Feth and Dejon Parker at guard and tackle, respectively. They will contribute to the offensive line, and I think that with a push on the ground, with good pass protection, and with a much better quarterback, even if the play calling is annoying and still inept, I think this offense will improve rather drastically, just from the quality of players on the field compared to last year. The Hawkeyes will score 36 total touchdowns and have 22 total field goals. The kicking game will be phenomenal as Iowa returns their starting kicker from last season in Drew Stevens, who made 16 field goals off of 18 attempts. He was 7 of 7 in the 20s, 3 of 3 in the 30s, 4 of 6 in the 40s, and 2 of 2 in the 50s with a long of 54, 72 total points. He only had 24 extra points. If that doesn't tell you how inept the offense was, I don't know what does, and you need help. Or maybe you're just Brian Ferentz, in which case, again, reference back to the earlier point, you need help. 
This defense will have over three sacks per game. They'll have 18 interceptions like all Phil Parker defenses do. They will swarm like wasps to the ball, and you won't be able to stop them. You'll have to play mistake-free, control the game, and be efficient. Or, if you're Ohio State, you can still pass heavy, but because you have an elite quarterback and an elite wide receiver room, it doesn't matter. You'll eventually burn their corners. One or the other is needed to beat Iowa's defense. And by beat Iowa's defense, I mean score more than 20 points on that defense. They will be vicious yet again. My offensive MVP is quarterback Cade McNamara. I think that McNamara will be relied on much more at Iowa than he was with Michigan because he won't have as good of an offensive line with Iowa. His receiver core, Michigan's receiver core in 2021 without Ronnie Bell and with only Roman Wilson and Cornelius Johnson and Andrell Anthony, Dalen Baldwin, and other players, the receiving core for Michigan in 2021 was weaker than in 2022, and perhaps by a significant margin as Ronnie Bell was the team's best receiver for the Wolverines in 2022. This Iowa receiver room has the potential to be as good as that Michigan receiver room in 2021. And the tight end room, I would say, is better. I think Luke Lachey and Eric All this year are better than Eric All and Luke Schoonmaker in 2021. And with an offensive line that's worse, a running back room that isn't as deep, I think that Iowa will pass more than Michigan did in 2021. And as a result, I have Cade McNamara going 248 for 397, 2,858 passing yards, 16 passing touchdowns, but only four passing interceptions. He will be efficient. He won't be explosive. He won't be asked to set the world on fire, and he doesn't need to. He just needs to get his tight ends and wide receivers and running backs, potentially, the ball and do nothing more. And I think that Cade McNamara is capable at doing that. He's also a great leader, and I think he's someone where if Iowa is down, and they need a comeback win, he can't necessarily do it all on his own, but if his team is stable and they have matchup advantages, he can get you the ball in the positions that you need and help you win a game in a comeback. He's a clutch quarterback. My defensive MVP is defensive end Deontay Craig, who I think will have 33 total tackles, 9 sacks, 3 forced fumbles, and 3 passes defended this season. I think that Deontay Craig is the best defensive end on the team, and this defensive line will be vicious. Again, a little over three sacks per game. Playing in 13 games, I think Iowa will have over 40 sacks or around 40 sacks on the season. They will have a matchup advantage against every offensive line that they face, except for potentially Wisconsin's, who has one of the best tackle duos in all of America. Penn State has the best offensive tackle in the nation, but the tackle opposite of Olu Fashanu doesn't play at nearly the same level that he does, and they have a weaker interior offensive line than Wisconsin does. Minnesota, I think that their O-line will reload, but Iowa's defensive line will certainly be more experienced, and that's a home game. So having a matchup in the trenches that is favorable to Iowa in at least, I would say, 9 or 10 games of the regular season, potentially all 12 games of the regular season, depending on how things play out, 
is very advantageous for a team that plays in the Big Ten and for a program that has built its identity traditionally on playing sound fundamental football, which all starts in the trenches. My breakout player is Caleb Johnson. I think he will have 276 carries for 1,490 yards, 13 rushing touchdowns, and will average 5.5 yards per carry. He will be a massive contributor to this offense and a big part of the reason why Kate McNamara can have success through the air, a big part of the reason why I think the defense will improve or stay at the same level of play overall compared to last season. Not that the defense in their talent roster or really their depth will be better than last season. I think they'll regress, but they'll have more rest because of the offense's success and they won't have to play as much mistake-free football because the offense will be scoring more than 10 more points compared to the 2022 season. I think that Iowa, as shown on the earlier graphic, will score closer to 30 points per game on offense than they will 25 points per game on offense. So Brian Ferentz will be employed after 2023. Not because he has become a better offensive coordinator, but rather because the personnel on offense have drastically improved compared to the prior season. I know that it may frustrate some of you Iowa fans or even college football fans, as I myself find Brian Ferentz annoying. However, his father clearly wants him on the staff, and as long as he does the bare minimum to be an offensive coordinator, he's not being fired. With one of the Big Ten's easier schedules, I think Iowa has an opportunity to go 11-1 or perhaps even 12-0 in the regular season. I think that it is very likely that they lose in the Big Ten championship game if they do indeed go to Indianapolis. So I would say a 13-0 season is probably out of the cards, if not impossible. But I'm not going to say never. Iowa will not win the West, in my opinion, because Minnesota and Wisconsin will improve compared to their 2022 selves. Iowa will improve as well, and I think overall, most Big Ten teams outside of, I would say, Maryland and Illinois are going to be better than their 2022 selves. And you could throw in Indiana and probably Northwestern in the mix as well, but in the East, Michigan... Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State, and Rutgers will be better than they were last season. In the West, I think you could say the same for Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa, and Nebraska. And definitely Purdue will be worse than they were in 2022. But overall, the conference will be deeper, and they'll have a higher ceiling and a higher floor than they did in the 2022 college football season. Wisconsin has Luke Fickle as their head coach and a great pair of coordinators and Phil Longo and Mike Tressel, and they also have an upgrade at quarterback. They have a better offensive line, in my opinion, a similar linebacker room, and even though their special teams unit, along with their defensive line and defensive backs, are inferior to Iowa's, they have better wide receivers, and they also have a much deeper running back room, and in my opinion, they have a far superior offensive coordinator which means that even if Wisconsin's on-field talent is comparable to Iowa's and Iowa has the better defense and maybe plays more like a Big Ten team, that far superior coaching and home field advantage means I'd take Wisconsin over the Hawkeyes. Minnesota is trickier. 
However, I think P.J. Fleck has his best team since the 2019 season. The passing attack from Minnesota should be lethal, and they'll still have a good run game. And their quarterback, while I think still being inconsistent in Ethan Kaliak-Manis and being more of a quarterback who relies on his supporting cast, though maybe I'm proven wrong on that, as long as he has a good supporting cast, and I think Kaliak-Manis will, his upside will be shown more than his downside. And while a road game against Iowa will certainly be a test, he'll already have played Michigan, and Minnesota's schedule is brutal. It's one of the toughest schedules in America for 2023. And I think that Minnesota will be more battle-hardened than Iowa. I think they'll be mad as well coming off of a bad loss to Michigan because Michigan is the number one team in the country. And they'll be angry. They'll enter Kinnick Stadium angry, and I think P.J. Fleck will finally expel that thorn in his side, which has been Iowa. And also a loss to Penn State as well will not help the Hawkeyes in conference standings, of course. I think, again, a 9-3, and 6-3 and regular season is what the Hawkeyes will achieve this year. They'll contend for a solid bowl game and a shot at Indianapolis this season for sure. However, I just see Wisconsin and Minnesota having better overall staffs. Joe Rossi is a good defensive coordinator, and I think Greg Harbaugh and Matt Simon will be better coordinators for the offense than Brian Ferentz will be. And I like, I just like the skill, really it's the skill position talent for me at Minnesota and Wisconsin that gives them an edge over Iowa. Iowa will likely be better, at least in parts, at sound fundamental football, but part of sound fundamental football is also good coaching. And I think Minnesota and Wisconsin clearly at this point have the better coordinators Overall, on an average, Phil Parker is probably the best individual coordinator out of that bunch. And as a result, I have to give coaching to Minnesota and Wisconsin. Wisconsin has the higher roster talent and more returning production. And I think this is Minnesota's year. Some strengths of this team are great offensive line and defensive line play. They'll be amazing in the trenches. Tight end and defensive line, special teams and defensive back, you could say, will be near elite or elite. The run game will be solid with Caleb Johnson. This team will have an an edge to them, tenacity. They'll be clutch. I know that sounds strange with the 9-4 record that I posted, but I don't have Iowa losing big time in many games. I don't. I have them losing to Minnesota by 3, and I have them losing to Penn State by 8 on the road in the whiteout, in which I think will be a competitive game. And I only have them losing to Wisconsin on the road by 11, and USC in their bowl game by 3. So this team will play in close games. They'll be clutch in their own way. And also Phil Parker by himself is a strength. Brian Ferentz in all caps, all caps, is a weakness. If Garrett Riley was the offensive coordinator for Iowa, or Sharon Moore, or Brian Hartline, or even Bill O'Brien from Alabama, who was not a good college offensive coordinator, Iowa would be a totally different team. I'd probably predict this team to go 10-2 and or 11-1 and if they had a better offensive coordinator. I mean, Brian Ferentz weighs this team down so much, it's you cannot even measure how much he weighs the team down. 
The wide receiver depth is questionable on this team, and also the blue chip ratio I think is overrated, but nonetheless it is a legitimate point, and Iowa does not have mountains of blue chip talent, which means against a Penn State especially, but also a Wisconsin and Nebraska who do have more blue chip talent than Iowa, there will be a talent disadvantage, which does not help for Iowa's case to potentially hit that outer space 12-2 and ceiling or even that realistic 11-3 and ceiling. I think a realistic floor and also the absolute lowest this program can go is 8-5 and five, as the schedule will be easier than last year and the team will be better. They could go 11-3 and three or even 12-2, and two, but I think 11-3 and three is a more realistic ceiling. 12-2 and two is just a, a kind of TCU ceiling that is unseen, but I could see it happen given some chaos and unforeseen circumstances. That's all I have to say about Iowa's 2023 season. Thank you so much for watching this video. Please subscribe to the channel and like this video and comment your thoughts down below if you haven't already. Also, check out my new Patreon community. I just started it a few days ago, and we already have four Patreon subscribers. And in my, it should be tomorrow, if not two days from now, but we will be listing Patreon followers' names on the end screens and giving those names time to cycle through so we can give you special recognition for helping support the channel because it really does mean a lot when you help support my channel and some of the names i'm going to go through them and just talk about the names of the people who are members right now of the college football with sam patreon thanks to spencer bringhurst who is an all-american member Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, and Roaming Gnome, who are all conference Patreon members. Thank you so much for your support, and have a great day, guys. I'll see you later.